Welcome back to the Growing Lean podcast, sponsored by Lean Discovery Group, an award-winning software firm based out of Virginia, USA. This is your host, Dylan Burke, also known as Deej, and I'm happy to be here with Uki Chong, CEO of 2xband. Welcome, Uki. Hey, Deej. Great to connect. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Um, so to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your history and background and how you ended up where you are today? Sure. Great question. So I guess to provide some perspective, I have been in the B2B marketing slash demand generation slash advertising space for a little over 20 years now. Uh, I started my career with some of the bigger publisher companies, uh, like a Ziv Davis, for example, Okay, for many years, then went into helping some startups ramp up for a few years as well. And last year, when I helped the last team I was part of go through their MBO rounds, et cetera, I actually came to a decision, you know, after, you know, being fortunate to be in the space for, you know, obviously a while, getting some really good insight uh, on what's been going on, you know, the good things as well as the bad things. I actually said, hey, why not see if we could build a team from the ground up with best practices from the start, right? And literally, can we hold true to that with the mindset of do what's right? As corny as it sounds, right, Deej? Now, we did launch this team officially last November. So we're right now about to go on our official one-year mark. But, you know, we are a brand new team with a lot of experienced, good senior you know, team members that have some good background experience as well, but we've been ramping up scaling as we speak. But again, I want to emphasize that our entire mentality is remove black box, bring transparency to everything that we do and hold our team just as accountable as we do to our clients, for example. Does that help put everything in perspective? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, I want to learn a little bit more about uh, how you guys work so you do you provide like sales qualified leads to your clients is that is that what your business does that's a great question so i will say that you know first and foremost when you look at you know the lead gen space in general right the marketing space there's really two swim buckets steve okay there's your lead generators and there's your lead aggregators okay now from that side of it if we touch on the lead aggregation tactic, that's where typically a client will, you know, use a team where that team will also use other teams to help fulfill, right? So they're not really the source of opt-in, but they might have value because they have data, AI overlay capabilities, you know, lookalike modeling capabilities, et cetera. That's the transparent tactic, right? When you use aggregation. Now, there has been, unfortunately, a lot of black box tactics as well. So there's been, you know, aggregators that would use those tactics, but not necessarily be forthright with their clients, for example. Now, if you look at the lead generator swim lane, those are true blue, 100%. Not only do they, you know, control the data, but we deploy, execute against it as well. It's first party, 100% opt-in compliant, all that good stuff, Right. Now, our team, we fall into that lead generator bucket. So what that means is that many of our clients will work with us, and we do focus on B2B initiatives, you know, specifically, and they would work with us to promote, ideally, 
you know, really great content, right, Deej? Something that leverages that team as experts in their field, you know, leaders in the solutions that they provide, you know, providing great information to the people that they want to work with. And once we, you know, identify, you know, what they want to get engagement from, we start deploying against our database of opt-in subscribers, basically, right? And based off of their interest, you know, whether it's in cybersecurity or, you know, HR management solutions, whatever it may be, we see a lot of the intent signals as well behind the scenes, right? Now, obviously, you know, there's a lot of that term going around, but again, we own the data. So I'm not asking third parties to give me their data, right? Is we're actually working hands-on with the data to make sure these programs get smarter as we go. Now, to directly answer your question, from a deliverable standpoint, I would say 99% of our programs as of right now is on a cost per lead model, right? So what our clients would do is they will say, hey, we have you know these great thought leadership content pieces. We want to leverage your audience, your expertise, and we would run that program to generate, depending, anywhere from top, middle, as well as lower funnel leads, right? So when I say top, it might be single opt-in to one single content piece where we confirm, you know, good digital engagement, you know, engagement, all that good stuff. Then your middle might be a program where we have that person confirm to engage with two separate content pieces, right? Then to your point, you have your HQL slash, you know, SQL type programs where not only do we get confirmed digital engagement, but we're also going to ask potentially additional qualifying questions to really confirm that they want to be, you know, actively reached out to because they're in market, et cetera. Right. So there is, you know, different ways that we can work with our clients, but really the ideal situation long term is as we build trust with our clients, we're really looking to implement those full funnel type programs, these right. So we're not just running a la carte, you know, top funnel programs, et cetera. We really want to implement something that's always on so that we're driving all of that consistently to their marketing and sales team to help, you know, nurture, et cetera. Does that help too? Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. It's very intriguing, and I'd love to chat to you more about it offline. Um, so, do do your clients? Do they... I will say, Deej, I will say. I'm yes. sorry. One, one quick note is one of the things, and I touched on it really early on, but just to give you some detail, one of the things that we decided to do to hold our team accountable is, for example, we literally have a clear black and you know black and white policy that we will not invoice our clients unless they respond back to us in a survey that we send out that they've been happy with the experience slash results. Literally, okay. we have to get an affirmative to that. Otherwise, we don't invoice. There's no upfront things, right? It's really based off of us aligning first and foremost on who they want to go after, right? Clear alignment. Two, do they have best practices, you know, in, in place where they're going to nurture the lease, for example, and not look for one call closes? You know, they want to engage the right way. And then also, are they looking to actually engage with the entire company slash team versus just one lead, right? So if we align with all this type of, you know, best practice mindsets, that's where we will back up every single one of our programs with that guarantee, for example. Okay, 100%. Yeah, I was, I was about to ask... Um... If clients pay only for successful leads, then that that also. Well, fortunately, the I will say. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing, man. You know, it's, it's ultimately 
I get it. You can never be a hundred percent perfect in lead gen, right? It's performance based. You're always going yeah. to get potential misalignment, you know. And I, I I expect to a degree certain burn rate, right? Clients saying, "Hey, they weren't happy." But you know what I've really have been excited to see is we officially went live, like go to market in February, right, Dej? And from then until now, you know, without going into too much specifics, I mean, we've been building some pretty good relationships. You know, and at that point, I would say out of all the active programs, and it's, you know, it's not just a handful. I mean, literally 20 plus, we've only had one client say that they weren't happy. And when we really zeroed into it, we found out why, right? It's because there was surely no follow-up tactics on on nurture when it came down to it, which is kind of a misalignment. So yeah. once we you know, do that. Now, the beautiful part is everyone else, not only do they say, yes, you know, we're happy with the experience, but they also give us feedback that's clear, right? Saying, hey, you know what? We love the fact that you did ABC or XYZ. And so when we do this, what we're trying to do is right from the beginning, Deej, again, just going back full circle to what I said earlier, is we want to maintain this type of open, transparent relationship with our clients, right? Because you got to think for many years in lead gen, you know, all, you know, these young companies would be like, okay, here, these, here's a thousand leads. Go after it. You know, you know, we guarantee it's going to be data correct, all this stuff. Right. But let's just say none of them converts, man. Right. You know, what happens then? You know, you have to report to your CROs or your executive <laughs> team. Like, yeah, they're asking, you know, what happened to the pipeline of this, you know, thousand lead, you know, program, what converted? Now those questions are coming up more and more. And what we're saying is now we want to be invested, right? We're not just saying, hey, it's all on you guys. We want to show that we're invested too in the success. Okay, 100%. I, I like your model because we are we work with a bunch of uh, lead gens companies. And one of them, they bring us like on paper, they're really good SQLs. Um, and we pay, I think, over 500 bucks per lead. And I think five out of the five that I've dealt with in my time have all come on, given us a great experience on the first meeting, and then they just ghost us. And like we do follow up, we have good systems in place, and they just ghost us completely. And we realize it's because the company that we use offers their clients a $100 Amazon voucher, for example. So on paper, these clients are all good, but then they come on, get their voucher, and then and then leave. And that's the only thing we, we've. And those are the of... black box type of scenarios that if you don't know about it, how can you guys leverage it? Right. I mean, it's almost it almost should have been where that partner should have told you guys directly, hey, we're going to leverage this as an incentive. Right. And, you know, you guys should understand that, for example, you know, same thing on our side is if we're going to say, hey, black and white, this is the tactics, this is the deliverables, this is the creatives. We don't want any, you know, gaps where there's confusion because that's where it starts breaking apart. Like, for example, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but also historically, there's two ways you could generate leads, right? Via email slash digital tactics or via telemarketing tactics, black and white, man, right? Yeah. So when you look at that strategy, I'm not saying one or the other is better, but from a scenario standpoint, just imagine if your team got passed again, you know, X amount of leads. And let's just say all those leads were generated via TM, right? Verbal opt-in. But 
you guys didn't know that, and you guys were thinking they're all email-based, for, for example, then right off the bat, when your team starts engaging with them and you're, you're, you're making statements like, hey, we saw that you downloaded our white paper, or we saw that you, you know, you know, read XYZ, technically they didn't yet from their side. You know what I'm saying? They received yeah. a phone call saying, hey, you know what? Yes, I'm very interested in receiving this, learning more. So if your team, for example, went in with that mindset saying, hey, you, you, you know, we reached out to you. Thank you very much for requesting this. We just wanted to make sure we're on the same page. Just imagine how that slight tweak can make a huge difference. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. It's definitely been a problem with us. We're still trying to find the right lead gen partner. So <laughs> I'd love to chat to you further after this. Absolutely. Um, and I also want to know, uh, can you talk about any challenges that you've faced in the last year in launching the business and coming live? And what's the biggest challenge firstly and how how did you overcome it sure i will say is and this will probably help too is when i did decide to you know go you know from the ground up i will say this operationally i did acquire right you know an established team right so operationally you know in the background is there but black and white, again, just full transparency, the to expand company, the brand, it's still new, less than a year old, right? And I think the biggest challenge always is with the new brand is one, building that trust level to, you know, where it needs to get to, but also really making sure that you're not getting sidelined because of all the other white noise that's already in the space, right? Yeah. So I would say biggest challenge, and I think it's, you know, common a little bit, especially when you, you know, launch a, you know, new company slash startup, whatever, is is always just getting that brand comfort and confidence to your clients, right? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Now, we've because we do have, you know, obviously good experience on our side, too. So, you know, there's, you know, when when they look at us, they know we're not just going into the Legion game, for example, right? And and we, you know, we could have those conversations. And ideally, what we're really positioning is, yeah, we own that we're new, but we're also looking to, you know, make a lot of great positive noise on what we could do to make things, you know, smarter and smarter too with the new environment, right? Yeah, hundred percent, amazing. And uh, besides revenue. What what are some metrics or KPIs that you use to measure the success of the of the work that you guys do? Great question, Dee. I will say this too: is we are not looking to go VC funding routes, right? We're not looking to look pretty, you know, for investors, all this stuff. What we're really looking to do is grow the company the right way, okay? And what that means is, to your point, not just revenue, but the people, the team. So with that in mind is, again, we're not doing mass hiring, right? We're looking at very strategic hires to help, you know, ramp up as we go. And from there is we're not looking to hire 500 people when we know that two can do it very well, for example, right? So I think one of the biggest challenges, especially in the tech space slash startup space, is people have gotten this impression that it's all about exiting, right? It's all about looking, you know, pretty for you know, buyouts or whatever, acquisitions. My challenge to everyone that thinks that is 
What happened to wanting to open up a company yourself, ramping it up with, you know, backing up with the dreams that you think is, you know, really good for not just yourself, but for your community, right, man? You know, things yeah. like that. So that's what we're trying to look at doing, right? And again, we've, you know, we're going to break some eggs, dude, right? Bottom line. But ideally, when we start working with more and more companies and just build more and more team members that's aligned with, you know, what we want to do, right, as a group is hopefully we're going to build some beautiful things together, right? As corny as that yeah. sounds too. Okay, 100%. No, I, I love that. I agree with you. <laughs> um, and where do you see your industry heading or your business heading in the next couple of years? Um, I'm excited to hear what your Great, thoughts. great question. These. I will say, if you think about it, content syndication slash lead generation from a pure tactic standpoint has been around for close to 30 years now. Okay. Yeah. Adding to that is for a good 25 of those years, it's always been the same type of strategies. Right. <laughs> and now adding to that the last five years with technology, with data, with visibility, people are getting much more clear visibility into what's working, what's not. Right. Yeah. So I mentioned this earlier too, but those tactics that, you know, companies may be utilizing that is black box, that's not realigning and that's not proving results. That's going to get flagged and called out more and more too. We're seeing it already. Right. And I think the biggest trend in the marketplace is when clients or companies are looking for good lead gen providers, right. Is they're going to be asking more pointed sometimes difficult questions who, depending on who they ask, right, on how they're really doing it. And if they can't back it up, it's just going to start coming out more and more. So I do think that whether it's your mid-sized guys, your enterprise, uh, again, we're having these conversations. But for example, you know, many teams are, you know, asking more questions. Well, how can we, you know, capture data on our form fills? We don't want you guys to do it on your form fills. You know, why do you think they're asking that these, right? It's because they want to try and control more and more of that process. But also on our part, there has to be give and take, right? Because they've been, you know, depending on the situation, they might have been burned or whatever. Yeah. In order for us to work effectively, we still need to control the process to a degree, right? So it's really that give and take. And that's why I say it's collaboration. You know, that's where if, if we look at, you know, tactics, not one solution works, man. It's really about, you know, can you use multi-channel? Can you truly use integrated mindset? Not just, you know, on, on how you, you know, get a lead, but the follow-up. That's the biggest part, right? Is when yeah. the sales team or the marketing team is following up, the biggest disconnect that I always see is one, the marketing team might not be, you know, talking to the sales team. That's another shift. More and more marketing and sales are getting aligned right? They're reporting to their CFOs or their CROs, you know, so that they have to be able to talk to each other, basically. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you can't do anything, man. Seriously. Yeah, 100%. Thanks for that. Um, and have you, have you had any partnerships or collaborations that have helped you get to where you are? Or has it been mostly done um, on your own terms? For this company specifically, I'll say, you know, majority is, is just what we want, you know, what we did, right? These like based off yeah. of our experience. 
Now, with that in mind, though, okay, and I want I want to throw this out there is again I, I want to emphasize clearly that I, I have been fortunate. You know, I've been part of some really really great teams, been under some really really strong leaders, right? And I've learned a lot. And part of you know, I think you know, especially with our space too, is there's a lot of crossover. Like we, you know, a lot of these you know team members know each other just historically, right? A lot of the leaders that are part of our competitors, I used to work with back in the day, right? And what's really interesting to see is, you know, if we're all doing the right things, there's really not competition. Does that make sense too? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and, and that's the that's the that's the way I look at it when it really comes down to it. Okay, amazing. Um, and Uki, we are unfortunately out of time. Yep. But before we go, what advice, if you could give one piece of advice to other business owners looking to succeed in your industry, what would that be? My biggest piece of advice is I think where a lot of entrepreneurs kind of, you know, have challenges is they have a really, really great idea or great, you know, potential solution set or a product, but they don't put enough time to figure out what it's going to do to execute, what is the viable market to go after? Is it revenue? You know, is there a clear revenue path? You know, things like that has to be asked, right? So for example, when I looked at modeling this team is I looked at it, you know, exactly that historical, what can I expect from a close ratio, right? What can I expect for average deal size on a, you know, really low basis, you know, not looking at ideal scenarios. So when you look at that very conservative minimum baseline point, you have a good idea of whether or not your business plan has a good shot of getting off the floor. And if your business plan shows red already, then guess what? You need to relook at that, right? Too. Yeah, hundred percent. Awesome. Well, thank you for that, and thanks for your time and insights. I've I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, what what is the best way for people to get in touch with Uki Chong? If you have any offers for them to take advantage of, or if they're just looking to follow your journey. Sure. I mean, I'm always open to networking, guys. I love it. You know, you know, I'm always about it. Whether it's entry level sales guy, you know, looking again to the marketplace or leaders as well. Uh, LinkedIn is obviously easiest to connect, right? Uki Tong. Uh, other than that, I'll throw it out there. My email is pretty straightforward. It's uki at toexpand.com. <laughs> so if you guys have any questions, you know, obviously feel free anytime or feel free to post a question or inquiry on our website, guys. And we'll definitely, you know, follow up accordingly. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you. And I'll hear from you too soon, Deej. We'll talk. <laughs> 100%.